on this week's show. Off the bottom and hoping it's just the start, we hear from Phoenix Sports boss Steve O'Boyle. Psychologically, it's nice to actually find a get off the bottom. Albeit though, we have got three tough games coming up. And 100 up, five goals in a week for Connor Coyne and the deal striker celebrates a milestone goal for the club. But when I came on my one-man flying from Folkestone like six years ago, I never would have thought that but I went on to score, score 100 goals. And... Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Only Podcast, sponsored by Nick Cunningham Plumbing and Heating. After last week's interview, Bonanza, we've got just the two for you this week, but hopefully you will enjoy them as we get ready to batten down the hatches. Uh, I'm John Phipps, still furious with my substandard broadband provider, and on the line now is a man whose week was already affected by the weather, long before Dudley and Eunice rocked up. It's Matt Gerrard. How are you, mate? Not bad, not bad, yes. Uh, well, we're not going to get into the conversation about what went on there. Football, yeah, the weather's pretty bad. It's supposed to be even worse the next few days. Us by the coast, they said it could be 100 miles an hour wind or something. So, batten down the hatches and hopefully we don't lose any fence panels. That seems to be the uh, consensus. Yeah, I've already been up on the balcony and uh, tried to secure the plants and everything the best that I can because I don't really want to hear tales of them floating down the road because uh, that wouldn't be ideal. But, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's been really blowy here already today and, and uh, it's obviously only going to get worse because apparently Friday is going to be the day, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I've, I was speaking to a guy um, I deal with at work. He lives in Florida, and I was talking to him about um, the wind and thing. And he and he said it's just like a military operation, you know, when they live in Florida and they get some hurricane Bruce or whatever comes in, and they have to batten down, literally batten down the hatches and everything and things like that. So it's, again, like everything in the UK, it will just be you know we just you know you lose a, a garden chair and it's chaos. But in America, you could lose half your house and you have to get up with it. So. Uh, like everything, um, I'm sure the uh, media will be getting very excited about what's going on, and we'll just everybody else would have seen it a lot worse than us, probably. But we'll just make a be British, as, as they say. I think the thing is, is and, and I don't know if I've said this on the show before, but I certainly say it to a lot of B and B guests when we're talking about the weather. It's like we don't prepare for it because it doesn't happen that often to us. It's like snow. Everyone says, oh, as soon as it snows, the whole country grinds to halt. It's because it doesn't snow very often. Like in, in Germany, where Haley's cousin lives, they go and put winter tyres on their car yeah. so they can still drive around. If if we had to put winter tyres on our car, most people would go, oh, I can't be bothered with that. And then that would be that, wouldn't it? Well, I think that's the thing. I was I read something that the old lateral flow tests are ending and you have to pay to them. So everybody's nobody's going to test anymore if they have to pay, isn't it? It's just good old British... Uh, thing we won't do it if we have to avoid it really <laughs> yeah exactly i think i mean i think that's a, a real shame and they were saying like, oh yeah well you know th- there was a bit of a debate on a television program i was watching and someone was saying well, who can't afford five or ten pounds for it well there's people using food banks so you know it it, it, it I'm, I'm in two minds really because i think that the over testing has made us very cautious about the virus when we perhaps haven't needed to be and especially if the vaccines have been as as effective as as we think they have then it, it shouldn't matter that much. So, you know, but then I can also, I, I, I do think that those tests need to be free and I'm certainly going to probably order myself another box or two before uh, before they start charging, that's for certain. We've already done that and I'm sure I'm, I, the only person disappointed that will be a postman, I think, because they're probably thinking, oh, bugger, here we go. Hundreds and hundreds of um, extra boxes will be appearing because, you know, people like me who think, I'll order one in my, my name, order my one in my wife's name. So we've got hundreds of things, but in three years' time, there'll be a, Worlds, you'll be selling, you know, hundreds of not used uh, 
COVID test packs, I expect, as well. That'll be another thing. They'll be in a museum in that, like 50 years' <laughs> yeah, time, exactly, won't they? Yeah. Anyway, it's our 203rd episode this week, and there was a the battle of 203 metre hill during the siege of Port Arthur, which was the longest and most violent land battle of the Russo. Japanese war. Now I had a quick word with the lawyers and they suggested we steer clear of any content about wars in Russia this week, so probably for the best. Uh, I did also find a podcast called HTTP203, which is two blokes talking about web development. It's named after the HTTP203 non-authoritative information response status, which indicates that requests are successful but the enclosed payload has been modified by transforming proxy from that of the origin server 200 OK response. Now that's just two lads talking about something they're passionate about on a niche podcast. Fair play to them. And, oh, no, uh, should, be should the two, they get. Well, but should the two worlds ever collide, I think we'll happily have a chat with Surma and Jake for some sort of weird crossover. But I, I, I can't see that the Kent Only podcast and HTTP 203 are particularly compatible, are they? Well, well, we'll have to find out who's the most geeky, though, mate. That's the problem. Probably you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you know anything about this? This? No, HTTP? not at all. I don't do web development, so um, standard uh, code. So no. Um, yeah, and that's you know, I don't, it's bus mentality, mate. I don't want to talk about my day job on, on 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 the excitement part of my week when I talk about non-league football. I should tell you that I've known Matt. Uh, it, we've been really good friends for a few years now, but I still don't know what he does. It's a bit like Chandler Bing. I, I, I know he works in IT, but I don't know what he actually does. Really and if I ever ask him so. any IT stuff, he goes, "Oh, yeah, it doesn't seem to know." No, no, exactly. Yeah, a little bit concerning, but uh, there you go. Anyway, on exactly, with the yeah. show. Yeah, I am Chandler. Yeah, Chandler Bing. Yeah, it could be. I'll be that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, on with the show then. And last week, you may remember a promise to get Phoenix Sports boss Steve O'Boyle on this week's episode if they moved off the foot of the table in their game with Whitspool at the weekend. Well, two second half goals did the trick for Phoenix on Saturday and a Monday afternoon phone call ensured our part of the bargain was kept up too. I started by asking Steve if he was pleased to be off the bottom. Yeah, I am actually. Um, you know, since I've come back to the club, you know, it was um, we was um, a long way off and, um, you know, we've closed the gap and um, psychologically it's, um, it's nice to actually finally get off the bottom. Albeit, though, we have got three tough games coming up. So, you know, there's still a lot of hard work to be done. It took you a while to, to get your first win since you, after you came back. But since then, you've been on a really, really good run, haven't you? Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to lie to you. I came in and things wasn't good. You know, um, morale was bad. Um, they've been on a really bad run. If I'm honest, players weren't good enough, and we had to we had to we had to rebuild. So um, it took it took it took a long took a long um, long time to sort it out, you know. And it was like doing a pre-season in the middle of a season. And um, the first six weeks, I must say, was was ridiculous. It was it was constant, like you know, recruitment, recruitment, recruitment. Um, it was seven days a week and hours and hours every day trying to get players in. And you try to get players in when you're rock bottom of the league and with not much hope. And um, I found it very, very difficult to to, um, to um, attract players to the football club. But it did all start to, to, to click in the end. And it was, it was funny because Burgess Hill were the first team that you beat and that was the, the only team they'd beaten in the league before you got there. So I suppose that, that must have just been a real catalyst for you. Yeah, do you know what? I actually thought we was that we played Faversham the week before, and um, I was really disappointed after the game because leading up to 
feedback, we could see things were improving. And I thought we was in a lot better place at that time. And when we got beat at Faversham, I was, you know, it was an hard one to take because I actually thought that we was in a good place. And after the game, I was, I was, um, I was disappointed with the, um, the performance. I thought we was going to be better than that, and we wasn't. And um, you know, like you say, the performance was a week later, um, and we have improved a lot since since the Burgess Hill game. So, you know, we're, we're okay. We're okay. We've got you know, team spirit's good. Got a very good dressing room, which is what people must think I'm mad saying that, but. You know, we 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 have got a good dressing room. Um, the, the place has got a little bit of a buzz to it, and um, although we are in the relegation, <laughs> but you know, a lot of new players have come in, and um, you know, they've taken on board what we ask of them, and um, yeah, we we we're doing okay. We're doing okay. I guess on Saturday when you played Whitstable, it, I guess it was quite easy to motivate everybody because it was it was simple. If you win this, then we're off the bottom. <sighs> yeah, it's a hard one. Um, and the reason being, um, we was we were doing really well. We had a really good, like you know, run of games where we were doing well, winning games, and whatever. And we um, we went into the Seven Oaks game on the back of beating Sittingbourne. We were basically the last kick of the game, and the, our next two fixtures were were Seven Oaks away, and East Grinstead at home, and you know, with with the, with the form we were showing, I was thinking, right, if we go to Seven Oaks. And we get come away with the points, you know. We're we're going to be we're going to be in a good place. We never turned up at Seven Oaks. We, we were really bad. Um, got beat, and to be honest with you, we played East Grinstead on the Tuesday night, and um, we got beat again. And so we've had a bad five days, but maybe like the last four, five, six weeks, performances and results have been okay, been been all right, you know. And we just had a really bad five days, and. Um, you know, we've recovered well from that because, you know, a lot of, I've got to give the boys a lot of credit there because, you know, a lot of teams after losing them two games could have folded. And then we've hit back with we've hit back with a, a nil nil against a very, very good Cray Valley side, I must say. Um, you know, with a clean sheet, which is brilliant. And then another clean sheet in a winner white Abel's Eve with ten men. And then and then and then the big game on Saturday against Whistleball, another clean sheet. And another, and, and another three points. So, you know, coming back from that East Grinch in the Seven Oaks game, it's, um, you know, we've, we've picked up seven points. And to be honest with you, two of them, not many people would give us much hope of getting in points, you know? So, yeah, we're, we're you know, it's, it's, it's been, it's been, it's been positive. And like you said, a good win Saturday. Um, and, you know, people were saying it was a must win, must win. I've sort of changed the way I think a little bit about things because, you know, maybe maybe the Seven Oaks game, we maybe put a bit too much pressure on the players by saying we need to win this one today. And well, we don't need to win it. We just need to keep on getting points. We've got we've got eleven games to go, and we've got a lot a lot of work to do, and we've still got a lot of wins to get and points to pick up for us to stay up. But it don't have to be against Whitstable on Saturday. But the three points does help. It looks like you've, your attendances have picked up as well. So I suppose people are coming to, to, to get behind you and that's always going to be a help, isn't it? Um, yeah, I'll, listen, I think the attendances are high and the reason being, it's, um, you know, if you was a local person on Saturday in Kent and that and you looked at the fixtures list and um, you looked at 
which the ball again, which the ball and um, Phoenix are playing each other. And you look at the league table; it's quite, oh, you know, why wouldn't you want to go and watch a game like that? Um, so attendances have picked up, but. I won't read too much into that just yet. <laughs> uh, you said earlier on you've got some hard games coming up. Starts with the leaders uh, on, on Saturday. They're, they're going like a train at the moment. And I guess after the high of moving off the foot of the table, that's probably the last thing you want, isn't it? Yeah, I could, I could do without that, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, but it is what it is. We've got to play them. Um, you know, we're going into the game. We, we, we've got, we're confident. We, you know, confidence is up. Um, and like you say, we went to Hayward's Heath played the second half against the wing with 10 men and oh, what a performance what a great second half performance from us you know so well, I'm not saying we're going to go there and beat them do you know what though if we play well why can't we nick a, why can't we nick a draw I'm not, it's going to be very very tough but if I'm going down there just to you know to make the numbers up I can't do things like that you know we'll, we'll have a game plan and um, you know and we give it our best shot but all I say to the players at the moment, and I've been saying it for the last few weeks, win, lose or draw, all I want is be, be able to come in and dress your room at the end of the game, be able to look, be able to look you in the eye and know that you've given the club 110%. And that's all I want. And that, that's that Saturday against Facings, whoever we play, for the, 11, the last 11 games, all I want is I know that the players have given the club everything they've got. And if they do that, I can't ask for any more. And you look at that league table just finally, and and you got you got what up to thirteenth place is only seven points in front of you, and I guess now you must have the belief that you can get out of this. I've always had the belief. I wouldn't have took the job otherwise. You know, um, people think I was raving mad to take the job, but I love the club, and that's the that's the, that's the bottom line. You know, um, I love the club, and um, I couldn't, and it, and it it really hurt me to see the club struggling where they were in the table and um, I, I, I believed I could get I could get them out of it and that's, and that's the reason why I, I you know I, I accepted it and um, you know we give ourselves a good chance you know and like I said I took over we had four points and people say you're dead and buried but I did see that we had a lot of games to play and um, you know, and, and I'm going to give it a go, and that's what I've done. And you know, like you say, I'm not saying we're not saying like you know we're going to we're going to stay up and, and, and we're sitting we're shouting from the rooftops or anything like that. I'm saying we've got a good chance. Um, we're in a position now that we've closed the gap on everyone, um, but we've still got to win a lot of football matches and pick up a lot of points to make that to make that happen. And um, we play like we've been playing over the last six weeks, taking out the Seven Oaks game and the East Quincy game. We'll be fine, but you know, like you say, there's 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 um there's a lot there's a lot of there's a lot of points up for stake still, and um, and like I say, we're 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 happy where we are, um, you know, as as a as a as a, as a group, and um, you know, we're we're going into the last um, last last um, eleven games. Confident of you know, confident of um, what we have, and like you say, we will win games, we will lose games, and I'm hoping we'll win more than we lose. And if we do that, we will stay up. Well, mate, it took him a while to get going, but now they seem to be really reaping the benefits. Yeah, and he he sounded pretty um, bullish in that interview. 
you know, never too high, never too low. But I think uh, he thinks the job he's done there, 19th place in the league. You now they're in touching distance of being middle, middle of the table here, aren't they? So, well, near enough, middle of the table. I think he's done a, a really good job. And again, what he says on that, all about recruitment, recruitment, recruitment. You know, I don't, the players he's probably brought in are probably players that he's worked with before, worked with what he can trust. Um, and it, it was, you know, when, we, when he got appointed, you think, well, nobody can get him out of this hole, really, looking at it. But clearly, um, he's worked his magic and get on there. And what a result against Whitstable it was at the weekend. I feel sorry for Whitstable hitting the base of the table. But Phoenix have on a little bit of a nice roll and only going one way. But he did say they've got some tough games coming up. So, but, you know, he can really build on this as the season goes with, what, 11 games to go. Yeah, I think it. Well, I remember speaking to him when he was appointed before he took over again, and and he was quite confident then uh, about it. But then it took him six, seven weeks to get a win, and and I think he basically said there that it was possibly a tougher job than he expected when he walked in, and that confidence was so low, and it's taken him time to turn it around. And yeah, there has had to be players coming in uh, to to make that happen, but they they really have. He's, he's done fantastically well. He, he, you can tell when you speak to him. He loves that football club and will do anything he can to get them out of this mess. Yeah, I think um, clearly the board seen him, what he can offer. I'd be interested to know, he didn't really say how many players he'd actually brought in. But the other factor as well there, you know, we're talking about jobs a minute ago and what we think we do. Clearly, he was working 24-7. I don't know what he does during the rest of the time, but working on the football club as well. So, and I'm sure he's not paid, you know, a great deal of money. So working very hard on that score and bringing players in, it shows it might be a labour of love, but it, it, it's hard work. But you put your work in, you get your rewards out of the end of it. Yeah. And as you said there, Hastings on Saturday and they are finding ways to win games of football. But I liked what you said there. We're not going down there to make up the numbers. We're, we're going down there to, to, to give our best shot. And, and you know, what? I firmly believe they will go down there. It's going to be tough for them to get a result, but they will give it their all, won't they? Well, they went to Haywards Heath and who were decent at home earlier in the last week, didn't they? And picked up a result there. So there's no reason why Hastings are on a bit of a roll. Hastings must have won a few games on the spin, I would have thought. They were six points clear. Um, you, you know, I think it's about time Hastings got out of this division, even though they're not Kent side. We don't want them getting out there, but could be going, yeah, they're not going to go there. Everybody thinks they're going to roll over. They've got that bit of confidence. I'm beating in three. And again, if they're as bullish as he is in a good way, I think, um, you know, they can up there to cause an upset. Yeah, it's, uh, Hastings have won eight of their last ten, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is far back as the form table I can find goes. Um, but yeah, um, Phoenix in their last ten, they're fifth in the form table. So that shows you just what a good job uh, Steve O'Boyle has done. That that uh, that ten games ago was their first win uh, against Burgess Hill. And I remember saying on the show, oh, isn't it funny how they've, you know, they've, they were the only team they'd beaten in the first half of the season, and and but he said that was a real catalyst for them, and and you can tell the disappointment that in that run of fixtures they've lost to Seven Oaks and they've lost to East Grinstead, while also beating teams it, 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 near the top, and I think that's the uh, you know that's the frustrating thing for for Steve at the moment. Yeah, I think the beauty of this division as well that on their day anybody can beat anybody, so there's no reason why they can't go there and try and get a result against Hastings. It'd be great if they can. Um, because that really helps them out and also helps our Kent sides out at the top of the table as well. And you mentioned Whitstable there as well. That, five league defeats in a row uh, for them. And, and you know, they brought in a new manager, an experienced manager. But 
it's it looks a little bit like it's just not clicking at the moment for for Keith McMahon and uh, worrying times for Whitsville. I mean, it was what four years ago they got promoted uh, from the scaffold back up to this level, and to, to me they are a team that should be in the Isthmian League, and and it, it, it's it's concerning that it just isn't clicking for them, is it? Yeah, well, one goal in five games. Looking at their players, they've got Junior Baker playing for them. Junior Baker is one of my favourite players. When he used to play for Bromley and Cray, I absolutely loved him. Me and my dad used to love watching him play Junior Baker. He's just all legs and arms, a really good player. But Keith McMahon's not working out. They've got some really good players in that side. Dan Eason's a decent goalkeeper. You know what Tom Mills did at Maidstone. Um, Danny Ward has done some things. So, yeah, I don't know what it's what's gone wrong there a little bit. Just need to, you know, maybe have a bit of a luck or something. But, you know, a club like Whitstable should not be struggling at the wrong end of this table. So, they've got some, you know, massive game at the weekend for them as well. So, you must be really concerning for all at the club as well because they're, you know, you know, normally a, a well-run club and they don't want to be heading back to the scaffold. Um, even though we love the scaffold too much, we want, you know, our sides to be dominating this division and Whitstable falling down there would be an absolute disaster for all concerned, I think. Yes, uh, just a point in front of both Phoenix and Whitstable are Seven Oaks Town. Uh, and obviously big news coming out of there this week. Uh, the longest serving manager in the East Munich South East has left his role. Mickey Collins and Seven Oaks parting ways on Sunday after almost eight years at the helm. Uh, Matt, a trivia question for you while I go through the Seven Oaks statement. Who is now the longest serving manager in the East Munich South East? Uh, anyway, in a statement released on Sunday, Oaks chairman Paul Lansdale said, after an amazing eight seasons, Mickey and I have spoken and we feel it's time to make a change. It really has been an amazing journey and one the whole club will remember for many years to come. Mickey has put little old Seven Oaks Town FC on the map and his support has always been unquestionable and unconditional. When you remember he took over in May 2014 when the club had just finished bottom of the Southern Counties East League, uh, Mickey is and will continue to be a much loved member of the Seven Oaks Town family and despite it being a very disappointing announcement, Mickey will always be very welcome at the club, fully deserves all the recognition for the amazing work and endless hours he has put into the success of the last few years. On behalf of the whole club, I want to wish Mickey all the best for the future and a massive thank you for eight amazing years. Uh, applications for the job close at 6pm this evening, so we should find out over the next couple of days who will be in charge of the Oaks this weekend and possibly beyond. Uh, it's been a tough run for Seven Oaks. I've only won twice since the end of November, but the news still came as a bit of a surprise to me. Mickey really been synonymous with the club. As has been said in that statement, it's been an unprecedented spell of success for, for the club. Uh, firstly, Matt, what's your answer to the trivia question? And secondly, were you surprised to hear of Mickey Collins' exit? Uh, Kevin Watson. Michael Golding. Oh, well, right. Fair play to Michael. He always gets his mention on this show, doesn't he? He does, every week. Yeah, uh, um, I only sort of last week when I looked at the league table in more depth, he saw Seven Oaks had been sliding down the table. So um, it is a results-driven business. Mickey being there, you say, in eight years, really, you know, successful time. Um, we can see when we have the, the chairman on at the beginning of the season, what the club's going, what they're trying to do, developing it. You know, in eight years, they've been transformed off the pitch and, or going on the pitch and on the pitch by Mickey. So, it's a results-driven business. Um, they should be doing better than third from bottom. And again, we don't know how many's going down. Again, it'll be a disaster for all the work they're doing off the pitch if they got uh, um, relegated to the scaffold as well. So, yeah, it's a surprise. I don't know if we'll see Mickey again management. I, I presume he's still got the hunger to do that. But, yeah, a bit of a surprise. But I think that's a job that if you can get it right with what they're doing off the pitch, it's a really good job. I, the foundations are there to be successful. And I'm sure I haven't put my application in, John, but I'm sure some 
decent managers at this level or even above or who've managed above will be putting their, um, their CVs in there because I think it's a decent job for somebody. I'm kind of going to disagree with you there because I think that chat we did have with, with Paul Lansdale uh, is, is part of the reason why I was a bit a little bit surprised because he didn't, you know, he said that the first team is just part of what's going on there. And, you know, obviously results are important, but I didn't think that was the be all and end all for them. And yeah, they've lost their last four. They were beating Ashford on Saturday, but Mickey Collins has done such a great job there. And, you know, the way he's turned, he's got so many more people coming through the, the turnstiles to watch their games. And, it, and he's really kind of, just just push the club forward. And and I think the the line in the statement, put the club on the map, is is absolutely what he's done. And I remember before Mickey took over covering Seven Oaks at, at the paper, I, I never covered them specifically. But looking they were getting 30 people through the gates. You know, they finished bottom of the league, as he says there. And and the future looks bleak. And now they're looking at a much brighter future. And I wonder if a, a blip of of having a a, a, releg- a possible relegation is is perhaps worth getting rid of all that that they've had with Mickey Collins, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, I, again, the club infrastructure, maybe it's built up with the new stands. They don't want to go in the scaffold. You know, you're thinking about the scaffold, how difficult it is to get out of that this season. Mm. This yeah, season true. So from that point of view, I think it's a decent job for somebody. They shouldn't be down there. Um, it'll be interesting who gets the job there. Do you go with somebody who's a name, so to speak, or do you go with somebody who's been successful at this level, um, who's not a name, but you know who knows this level really well? Interesting. I'm, I'm sure their email box has been going ping, ping, ping with plenty of different uh, applicants. So yeah, I'm interested to see who gets that job. Are we from that statement, you're thinking there'll be a quick announcement then? Because I say they've got a game on Saturday. It's Wednesday now, isn't it? So. Well, well, exactly. Someone, someone's got to take charge for Saturday, haven't they? So yeah. I, I think the other thing as well on, on Mickey Collins is he's been there eight years. I'm going to hazard a guess that every single one of those players at Seven Oaks Town has only played under Mickey Collins. And yeah. is the middle of February the time that you could be facing a, an entire upheaval of your squad when you're in a relegation battle? That's that is another thing you've got to factor in. You know, it's quite late in the season to, to try and possibly bed in a load of new players. Or maybe one of the things with 11 games to go, you might not be able to bring those sort of players in. You might say, right, deal with what the squad you've got here. And next season, if we're successful in staying up, you can rebuild the squad there. So I think um, short-term gains, if they can stay up for long-term stability, maybe. So I'm looking to see who get that job. I'm sure, um, yeah. I, I, any ideas, any, any rumours going around, John? Do you know what? I've been... Speaking to a few sources this week, and no one seems to have, have known anyone who's who's sticking their, their name in for it. So, uh, very interesting. And just finally on, on Mickey Collins as well. Um, he was a great supporter of this show, certainly in the early days, uh, and a, a real football man. And I, I'm sure he'll be disappointed that his his tenure at Seven Oaks has, has ended as it has. Yeah, I'd be interested. In, uh, maybe he'll recharge his batteries and go again in again, because a lot of clubs, particularly in the Kent area, would you know somebody of his capability and contacts in the game could do a job so uh, hope you see him in the dugout once more uh, in the future yes uh, Collins last game in charge was a 4-0 loss at Ashford United on Saturday hat-trick for Gary Lockyer in that game elsewhere Ramsgate 2-1 winners at Burgess Hill Cray Valley beat Chichester 2-0 Corinthian overcame Lansing by a goal to nil Favisham and VCD drew 0-0 we've already discussed Phoenix Sports 2-0 win over Whitstall Sittingbourne beaten by a late goal from Leaders Hastings and it ended three bridges three high three only one of the three scheduled that, John. 
Go on. Gary Lockyer scoring, you know, not much of a jump up, is it, really? He's no. banging them in. If you're a goal scorer, you're a goal scorer, whatever level. Exactly. And and I'm pleased it's working out for him because we've had him on the show a couple of times and he's a, he's a really nice fella. And, and, you know, took him a little while to to find his feet, I think. But now he's he's really, really motoring again. Yeah. They've got plenty of strikers there. So um, you have to be on your toes because uh, Tommy will replace you with one of the other strikers he's got. So, But I'm delighted for him and delighted, you know, when we interviewed him, he, he was he wanted to prove wrongs from his previous spell at Ashford, didn't he? So um, banging a hat-trick uh, will definitely do that. So I'm really delighted for him. Yes, only one of the three games scheduled for Tuesday survived the rain. Although Ramsgate will probably be disappointed their game was on as they lost 1-0 at Hayward Heath. Uh, I've not mentioned Saturday's game between Herne Bay and the aforementioned Hayward Heath because that one was abandoned due to an injury to the referee. Now, I've genuinely never heard that one before. Uh, have you met? Normally... Wouldn't they just get one of the uh, assistants to do the middle and get someone else to run the line? I've been at a game with Dartford. I think it was against Bath. When I'm going through this Saturday as well. That the referee was injured. And then they had to wait half an hour to get a linesman from somewhere else. A local referee to take over the line to do that. I've seen that. But now again, I presume they don't have fourth officials at these grounds. So I, I suppose, you know, the days of asking somebody to... Um, can you run the line for us from the crowd? I've probably long gone, probably health and safety. You can't probably do that anymore, can you? Can't get a bloke who's been in the bar for a couple of hours. He might be know what he's doing, but bringing him out, probably you can't do that anymore. So, um, yeah, interesting one there. Um, yeah, I don't know how that works, really. If, I don't know what the referee had done, but um, there was there were rumours that some one of the teams wanted to play and one of them didn't. Is that right? I read that somewhere. That, I haven't read too much into it, to be honest. I was trying to find some bits and pieces about it a minute ago, but uh, there's not too much doing the rounds. But it just, what a curious, curious situation that was. Yeah, yeah. Well, you'd have thought, well, so again, well, we've said this before, John, getting referees is a difficult job, is it, in the first place? So they're not going to have a qualified referee or linesman sitting on the bench looking after the benches at the dugouts, are they? So, yeah, it probably shows that something may, you know, this may, if they've got an issue with referees and this, Happens, John. You may have hear this happening more and more often that somebody gets injured, the game gets abandoned. So, you know, the concerning about that is. Yes, it's again, if anybody, you know, again, our friends at the scaffold, they know more about the laws of the game or the rules in these things. How does that work? Who calls the game off? Is it the injured referee? I've got no idea. Well, the, the tweet that I read said the referee has decided he can't continue, so the game is going to be abandoned. Right. So, so but you, you could have asked. Some bloke to do it in the but again, probably as I mentioned, health and safety, you'd probably be qualified because, you know, if I was running the line, A, I wouldn't be able to keep up, and B, I probably don't know all the rules on offside as well. So and this is a decent level, so you can't stoop to those sort of things as well. But yeah, a strange one, and I'm sure going forward, John, we may hear this more often. Mm, let's hope not. Uh, this weekend, Cray Valley host Sittingbourne. As we've already heard, Phoenix Sports travel to Hastings, Hyde at home to Chichester, Ramsgate meet Corinthians, Seven Oaks at home to Burgess Hill, VCD against Herne Bay, and Faversham head to Whitehawk, which I'm sure will be delightful in these conditions. And it's Whitsport against Ashford. No league games next week, uh, just some in the Velocity Cup. Into this mini Premier Division, where Margate came from, back from bottom of the table, East Thurrock with just a point from a nil-nil draw, having also drawn by the same score at Leatherhead in midweek. Uh, while Craig Wanderers drew two all at Wingate and Finchley, Folkestone beaten four-one at Hornchurch. All three are also in action on Tuesday. Uh, Invicta beat Cray Wanderers uh, in a game that survived the weather. And Margate 2-0 victors over Merston. Four clean sheets in a row for Gate, and who now travel to face Lewis on Saturday. When folks can travel to Brightling Sea and Cray Wanderers are at home to out-of-form Haringey Borough. Margate 
uh, that'll be a, a, a tough test for them at Lewis, but they, they seem to be in a little bit of form. Yeah, I think some, I, think I read a tweet somewhere that, is that the first time in over five years they actually had four clean sheets in the league? So brings them nice and close to the uh, playoff positions as well. Good at home. Margate's home form is good as well. Ten wins at home is really good for them. The issues they've had from there. I think how many games, how many teams in this, how many games they play in this? 42, yeah. So 12 games to go. They've got it quite tight in there. Folk, one stage we thought folks were coming out of it, but they've had a decent week, haven't they? So, yeah, it's going to be interesting, but Margate are in the hunt as well, which I think is really good. I think Jay Saunders is doing a really good job there. So, um, going to be interesting as the uh, season progresses. But four clean sheets, you don't concede, you don't lose. And if you've got a goal scorer, it's a bit like Ben Greenhow, who is, you know, a lovely player at this level, who seems to score goals and the other players that Jay's bringing in. Um, good stuff for Margate, delightful one. I was going to say, if you got, if you don't concede, you don't lose, but you beat me to it. Uh, let's move on to the Southern Counties EC group. It's been a week to remember for one Deal Town player. Uh, this time last week, Connor Coyne was on 95 goals for the Hoops. As we speak now, that is around 100 after he followed a hat-trick in the 3-0 win at Crowborough on Saturday, with two more in Tuesday night's win over Bearstead. Before this week, he'd scored five in 14 league games this season. He's doubled that tally in the space of four days. What better time, then, to make your debut on this show? I spoke to Connor earlier today. I thought I might get it by the end of the season, but but I didn't think it was going to happen in a week. No. I mean, you, you must be feeling great. Five goals in two games. I think it's seven in four in total. So so you've obviously found the goal-scoring touch lately. Yeah, I, I, I know what it is, to be honest. I, I haven't changed anything. I, just, I think I might have just played just a bit of luck, really. And, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> can't really explain it, to be honest. It's all part of a, a good little run that Deal Town have put together, though. Oh yeah, definitely. We've been flying recently, to be fair. It's the best, probably the best squad we've had so all the time I've been there in probably six or seven years. That's it's good. It's a great, great team to be involved in. And how much does it mean to you to, to get to a hundred goals? Oh, it's, it's, it's amazing. Like when I came on my one month flying from Folkestone like six years ago, I never would have thought that I went on to score score a hundred goals and play over 250 games for deal but yeah it's, it's a great feeling it's good to do it at home last night in front of well I think there's two or three hundred there that's brilliant what is it about deal it seems to me like a really special club and, you, and you've certainly got a sort of family feel and a real togetherness yeah I, I, I don't know it's just, it's just everyone there is just like lovely people like from from the stewards just up to Kingy, Dell, just everything about it. It's just it's brilliant. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and and you, you are having a, a decent season, fourth place in the league. It's almost a case of best of the rest, isn't it? Because the, the top three seem to be a, a little bit set above, but with, with their financial uh, yeah. powers. But but you're doing really well. Yeah, no, we're, we're definitely competing. I think if we um, if we beat Glebe on Saturday, that might put us ahead of them on goal difference, which it's not bad going considering how well they've been doing. So, and you, you, so yeah. you just said there you've got Glebe, and then you've got Sheppey next week as well. So this is this this is a big week, and you can play a yeah. part in what's going to happen for the rest of the season. Yeah, well, hopefully, um, hopefully we can get a few points on the board, and yeah, we just never know, do you? Like if we carry on the form we've, we've had, we well, just never know. 
it's one of those, isn't it, this league? We, we, we say about the top three and how they've got the big budgets and everything like that. But I, I guess for clubs like Deal, you want to just stick around, be the best of the rest, and then when they've gone, really have a good go at it. Yeah, absolutely. But it seems to be this is the season for it. I'm just, well, I'm just hoping, hoping we can carry it on. And yeah, hopefully one of the, well, a few of the top boys slip up and we, can, we might be able to sneak in. And, and just finally, what, what were your exact emotions when that 100th goal went in? I, 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 don't really, <laughs> I didn't really know what to do, to be honest. And one thing I did do is I, I looked and I found one of the fans, Callum Brain, and I ran, ran straight to him, gave him a massive hug, and yeah, cause it, he's been rooting for me the last Wales season. And uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a brilliant feeling. I, you could tell it was a really loud cheer. And, yeah, it, it was amazing. A fantastic achievement, Matt. And, and what a way to achieve it with five goals in two games. Yeah, when I've seen him play, he's like um, an old-fashioned centre-forward, Connor. Um, he's always come off the bench. So, I didn't, A, I didn't realise how long he'd been there for, um, but he, he's sort of a go-to man for, for Steve King. But what I love about um, this sort of thing, you know, you've been there X amount of years, 250 games, 100 goals. Clearly he loves that. But I love players who stay at clubs for such a long time. Being a Dover fan, you never, you can never sort of get used to a player staying a long time because they leave after a season. But he stayed there. He's been rewarded with 100 goals, whatever level. At that le- 100 goals, the scaffold level, is a bloody good turnaround. And I'm absolutely delighted for him. A hat-trick and two there. Fantastic. And... I'm pleased for him. I, 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 apparently, he's big mates with Sean Raggett. That's another useless fact about Connor Coyne. And from the, I think they might have been growing up together, maybe at the Dover Academy or something like that. They knew each other. So, absolutely delighted for him. Um, and it, it, 100 goals at that level, John. That's not to be sneezed at, is it, to be fair? It's not. It's, a, it's an absolutely fantastic achievement. I was really happy uh, that we were able to to get him on the show this week. It was a bit of to and fro, and as there always is when you're trying to get someone and you only and you only get hold of them on a, uh, a on a Wednesday, and we're recording today. But I'm really glad we were able to hear that. And, and you said there about him staying at the club for a long time, and I loved that finance. What, what did you remember about about the moment that you scored that goal? And he went, I went and found that supporter who's been a big supporter to me, and I hugged him. And and I love I love that. And like you say, that's what you get with having all these players around and, and, and being there a long time. And it, it's, it's fantastic. And there is something about Deal Town, isn't there? Because they're, they're, it seems to me, I've never been there, I must admit. Hold my hands up. But when I've seen them play, that there's a real sort of family vibe about the place. So, you know, and, and you can see why players do want to stay there a long time. Yeah, I think when I've been there, that there's a lot of friends of players who go, you know, love going to see, watch their mates play. They're looked after really well. You know you're going to be entertained either with it, um, Steve King doing his bits and pieces, uh, um, excited on the thing or a bit on the pitch. So it's a club really on the way up. So um, absolutely pleased with that and great, great record to get 100 goals in 250 games. It's really, you know, I think it's great. Again, he, he played it down a little bit, but he must have been absolutely buzzing it up last night. Um, five, seven in four, five in two, hottest striker in the scaffold at the moment. Well, there's always plenty of competition for that. I'm, I'm yeah, trying exactly, to work yeah, out. But again, I just think 100 goals, that, you know, people will look at it, oh, it's only deal tap. For me, that is a fantastic level. It's a, you know, you do your training, you do your hard work in the midweeks and you play your football and then you score goals. 100 goals, brilliant. 
It is, and I've been trying to work it out while you've been uh, while you've been chatting there. Uh, so far this season, Dover, the whole lot of them have scored 21. In the last season that they actually finished, they scored 49. So that's a total of 70 in the best part of two seasons. So that does just show uh, just just how impressive that is to score 100 goals, doesn't it? Oh, brilliant! And, and, and 252 people there. I think when Dover was called off, they said, "Oh, come and watch Deal." And I know a lot of Dover fans have been to watch Deal because they're they're entertained. And you know, a side that's doing very very well. Who could do even better over the next few years as well? So, um, yeah, I'm delighted for them. I'm delighted for all the deal because they're a really friendly club and, again, community-wise, um, first class. Yeah, and obviously uh, a big week for them. They've got Glebe and then Sheppard United. So, uh, it, it, and they've still got a part to play in this title race. They may be fourth in the table, but they can overtake uh, Glebe, as, as Connor said in that interview there. And you never know what's going to happen here, but they are a real side and they, they've got that continuity they've got the a good team spirit and i think they're always a threat and, and i still stand by my long-held belief that once chatham sheppy glebe are out of this division deal will be the favorites to, to, to win it and I, and I think that's absolutely fantastic for them yeah i, I got absolutely no yeah. a test for them there steve king would have definitely done all his homework as i know when he plays glebe and sheppy big week for them so this time next week john they could be all doom and gloom, or they could be, you know, if, they, if you'd offered them four points now, they'd probably take, well, you take your hand off. If you offer them two draws, that will show them what, you know, how far they're progressing. Interesting, interesting week for them there. Interesting week for Connor as well. Can he carry on his goal scoring exploits? Well, exactly. Uh, elsewhere in the scaffold, more good news for Glebe, who've yet again provided a player to a Premier League club after 19-year-old defender Nico Lawrence swapped Foxbury Avenue for Southampton. And the youngster has already made his first appearance for the Saints B team. Good luck to him. And again, Matt, Glebe's youth section coming up. Trumps, you've seen Emil Smith-Rowe uh, has, has been at Glebe and has gone on to play for Arsenal in England. And, and now young Nico's following in his footsteps. Yeah, again, if you do your work, look after the players from, from an early age, develop them. Um, you've got a good chance of um, bringing players on. and Fantastic for Glebe. You know, he might not make his debut for Southampton, but I'll give him a good stand in that eventually he could be playing league football. So I'm absolutely delighted. And everybody at Glee, that's all the hard work you put in. And days like this, if you've got training when it's pouring with rain and windy, all worth it when you can push a player into a, into a Premier League club. Fantastic. So um, definitely on the club on the way up as well. So really pleased. Uh, on the pitch, Glebe, though, knocked out the Kensington Trophy in the semi-finals. They're beaten 2-1 at home by Sheffield United, who could still retain the trophy that they won two weeks ago. Uh, they'll face Hollands and Blair in the final after Blair beat Larkfield and New Hythe by two goals to one. The final due to be played at the Gallagher Stadium on Sunday, April the 10th. Uh, disappointment in the FA Vars, where both Tunbridge Wells and Stansfield were knocked out on Saturday. Wells went down 3-1 at Hamworth United, while Stansfield pushed Southall all the way. The game ended 0-0 before the combined counties Premier side won on spot kicks as they had done in the previous three rounds. Uh, to oh, make matters even really? worse for us, yeah, Hamworthy and Southall were then drawn together in the last eight. So had the two scuffle sides got through, it would have been a guaranteed semi-finalist. Uh, oh. a, a real shame, actually. And I know someone, uh, regular listener Dan Story, was at the game on Saturday and he said Stantwell played so, so well uh, and such a disappointment. And, and, you know, straight to penalties as well. What, why aren't they having extra time in these games? Yeah. I understand they've got rid of replays, but why straight to penalties? Is the last 16 of a national competition? Yeah, I think um, we've said this before. When this level, when you when you're doing your travelling, you should definitely have extra time. I'm sure both managers would have said at that point, "Well, we'll play. We we'll want to play an extra 30 minutes." It does seem absolutely ridiculous. So Southall have won the last four rounds on penalties. 
They have, including beating Chatham. Jeez. That that must be some sort of record. It's got to be, hasn't it? <laughs> I feel for them. To be fair, there was scenes after Southall put the penalty in because the guy, he was off running off. So, yeah, fantastic, fantastic run. Put the club on the on the, um, on the the map there. Really was, you know, the good chance now with the games in hand. They can go on, should go on, hopefully. And um, we've got a good chance of getting promotion as well to play back in the scaffold. But I think that run will um, live long and hard in the memories of that. I have to say, really fantastic. But heartbreaking there. Fair play to Southall. <laughs> Imagine the confidence they've got if they go to penalties again, though. Crikey. <laughs> Some sort of record there. It's Could they win the tournament without winning a game? After No, because they have won games. Yeah, yeah, they have you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but no, yeah. incredible, just, absolutely yeah. incredible. Uh, in the league on Saturday, Beerster beat K-Sports 2-1. Chatham 3-0 winners at Holmesdale. Irith Town nicked it late on at Rustall, thanks to Harry Gamble's goal. And Wellingtown came from three down to get a point at home to Irith and Belvedere. And on Tuesday night, as well as Deals 5-2 win over Beerster, Sheppey United 3-2 winners over Irith Town. Irith and Belvedere playing Rustall as we speak. Uh, this weekend, Canterbury City host Holmesdale. Chatham at home to Rustall. Irith and Belvedere meet Crowborough. Irith Town take on Beerstead. It's Glebe against Deal. Kennington against Tunbridge Wells, Lordswood host Wellingtown, Punjab United meet Fisher, Sheppey United travel to Tower Hamlets, K Sports are home to Glebe on Monday before Chatham host Tower Hamlets, uh, Deal take on Sheppey, Hollands and Blair host Lordswood and it's Tunbridge Wells against Fisher on Tuesday night as well. Into the combined counties league uh, Premier Division South very quickly, uh, Beckham 3-3 draw for them uh, at home to Farnham on Saturday. Uh, they play Nap Hill on sa- this weekend at home. Uh, they've lost top spot after Walton Hersham beat Frimley Green uh, on on Tuesday night, but uh, a thriller for Beckenham Town. I think they're really enjoying themselves in the combined counties league, but hopefully they'll be in the Eastman League uh, next season. In the Scaffold First Division, Rochester two one winners at Brydon Ropes on Saturday. SC Thamesmead won one nil at FC Armstead. Forest Hill Park and Chesterton Hook drew nil nil. Greenways overcame Kent Football United three one. Lidtown lost two one at home to Croydon. Snodland beat Faversham Strikeforce 3 0. Staples Monarchs were 1 0 winners over Lewisham Borough. And there was another 0 0 draw in Westside and Meridian VP clashed. Two on the same day. Absolutely shocking. Uh, Larkfield and Newhide beat Snodland 3 1 on Tuesday night. And there are two games in that division this evening as well. And I will get the scores, the latest scores of those games up shortly. Uh, this weekend in the first division, FC Armstrong against Croydon, Faversham Strikeforce against Westside, Greenways against Bryden Ropes, Kent Football United against Lidtown, Lewisham Borough against Larkfield and Newhide. Meridian VP hosts Sutton Athletic. SC Thamesmead take on Forest Hill Park. Snodland Town against Rochester United. Tooting Beck against Staples Monarchs. And on Tuesday night, Chesterton Hook against Westside. Kentford United against Staples Monarchs. Lidtown against Forest Hill Park. Lewisham Borough against Stansfeld. And Rochester United against Bryden Rope. So plenty going on in the Scaffold First Division uh, over over the uh, the next few days. Uh, let's move on up to the National League where Dover lost to Torquay on Saturday before having their home game with Notts County called off for a second time. Much the fury of Jim Parmenter who released a video saying he would be lodging an official complaint at Notts who were already in Kent when the previous game was called off. Retaliated by they were only concerned about their travelling fans. But given the games that Folkestone and Deal both went ahead, it does seem to me that it was a very, very cautious call, which is claimed came from the National League themselves after the referee passed a pitch playable. Uh, Matt? Yes, it's a strange one. Um, I don't know, really. Um, there's no love lost between over and Notts County, clearly. Um, the weather was pretty bad yesterday afternoon, um, but 
you look at it if, as Folkestone and Deal were playing. Um, Dover's pitch hasn't been too bad recently. It was OK on Saturday. Cuts up a little bit, but the drainage seems to be OK. Not that we've had much rain, but yeah. Um, yeah, it just doesn't, nothing seems to be going too well. And, you know, I don't think Dover, you know, I don't, well, I don't know why Notts, Jim said about Notts County. I don't know why Notts County brought the game off because they want to, they want a bit of a roll and they've got a lot of games in hand, so they need to play. So it's just an unnecessary argument again between Dover and another club. You know, you know, yeah, it's just a little bit awkward, isn't it? But if the match referee has passed the pitch playable and says, I think it's going to be fine. And I did read this happen in one of the games in the Eastman League as well. Uh, the Faversham game last night. I think that I saw James Collins say on Twitter that he was told their game was called off because it might rain later on. And yeah. we can't live our lives saying, well, if it's if the conditions might be dodgy, then we can't play. I mean, because literally we're here on Wednesday night. You look at the weather forecast for Saturday and it's going to be horrific. So realistically speaking, if you were going to be like they were with these games yesterday, you could say, right, well, we're not going to play any games on Saturday. We're just going to call them off because it's going to be too wet and windy. So I don't see how, yeah. if it's true that the referee did pass a pitch playable and then someone in London phoned up and said, no, I think it might it might rain. I think that's absolutely shocking from the National League. And, you know, Notts County, I'm sure they, I, I understand exactly where Notts County come from because of what happened to them at Kingsley and because of what happened to them the first time they tried to play there. Uh, I get that they didn't want their supporters to make the long trip down to Kent for, to be disappointed again. I, I, I get that. But you can't sit there and say, well, because we've got to go a long way, we don't want we don't want we want you to call this game off now to save us the hassle just in case it gets worse. I, I think that's that's pretty shoddy from all concerned. Yeah, we haven't had a statement from the National League about this. It'll be interesting to see what their views on it. Um, we've had from both clubs, but not from... Um... Uh, the National League. So we'll see what happens from there, really. Yeah, I'm sure the mudslinging will continue uh, as, uh, as this kind of uh, carries on over the next few I've got a weeks. stat, though, John. I was going to use Go a stat on. about Dover. You know, Dover have been in a few games this season, right? Yep. He's got a question. Haven't won many. So? Haven't won many. No, yeah, exactly. The 15 minutes before half-time and the 15 minutes before the end of game how many goals do you think Dover have scored in that period and how many they've conceded I reckon they've scored less than five Correct. and they've probably conceded 15-20 they've scored two in that period <laughs> and conceded 26 oh. so if the games so, were 30 minutes each side you'd be in the playoffs I wouldn't get that far, but no, no, they're not. They're not looking better. But that when I saw that stat, because again, Saturday was the prime example. To be fair, Torquay absolutely battered over the first twenty-five minutes. It's the longest I've ever seen an opposition goalkeeper before he had to touch the ball. It took eighteen minutes for the Torquay goalkeeper to touch the ball, Rocket. physically touch the ball, and from that point on, you know, then Dover equalised, and we had some absolute good good chances. But then they, you know, the last 15 minutes, they sort of fall apart again. And you look at it in the season, that seems to be the the norm, that they're in a game, but then either they, particularly at the end of games, they sort of lose out. But strange fact. Well, that was a good stat, though. 
very good stat and, and well done to you for working out through no doubt tears uh Bromley yeah. lost 3-1 home to Stockport County on Tuesday night a, a pair of away games for both of our sides in the National League this week Bromley go to Kings Lynn on Saturday while Dover at FC Halifax Town and then on Tuesday the Whites go to Aldershot and Bromley head to the south coast to face Weymouth talking of Bromley they are our last hope the last side on the road to Wembley both in the playoff race because Matt I've got to tell you Dover mathematically cannot finish in the playoffs now. Uh, is that and, what it is? Yeah. You, I, I'm, I keep looking every week just to see how close you are to actually being relegated. But I, I've worked out now, I think there's you can finish about eighth if you win every game and everyone above you uh, loses all those games. But your playoff dreams are over for another year. When the relegation comes, so what game that will be? So, yeah. sometime, probably about a month away, I think. So, Excellent. Well, I, I would say I'm looking forward to it, but I'm, I'm not really. Uh, but also, Bromley... Still in the uh, road to Wembley in the FA Trophy. They needed penalties to see off plucky Tunbridge Angels on Saturday. Uh, Dartford's run also came to an end as they were beaten at Needham Market. Uh, Steve King did say last week that was going to be a tough game, and so it proved. Uh, Bromley will host Solihull Moors in the last eight. So there's certainly none of that long-distance travelling they did when they reached the final four years ago. What was it What was it they went about four times? Was it Spenny Moor, Matt? Yeah, somewhere it kept going called off, wasn't it? So, yeah. But there's, there's some big teams left in that competition. Solihull... Another good side who think they can get in the playoffs. Another big game. Clearly, again, he hasn't played the big guys in the games. Well, does he start when he gets to the quarterfinals? Because don't forget the semi-finals for some bizarre reason. Again, are two-legged. After which doesn't make sense. After you have ninety minutes and have penalties, doesn't make sense to me to do that if they're about games. But does Andy Woodman take it seriously a little bit more now? Interesting, but. Um, particularly after last night's result as well. Um, going to be tough for them to win the league, but the playoffs could be definitely, well, the playoffs are definitely in the, the equation. Yeah, you got, are you going to Aldershot Tuesday? I am going to Aldershot to say goodbye to one of my favourite grounds. Yeah, you love it there, um, don't you? <laughs> before, before relegation. So I think I think if Dover lose weekend, I think that might be 29 games without a win away from home. So we could go to Aldershot. We don't win. It'll be thirty games without a win. So, but I love it if I won't run there. Love it. It's like a farewell tour. Uh, yeah, for, it basically is, yeah. Yes. Uh, talking to Tom Angels very quickly. We discussed before that they're looking uh, to lay a three G pitch uh, at Longmead. Obviously, although they've had plenty of problems there, uh, it's now stepped on a little bit as well. They the overall budget is seven hundred thousand pounds. Three hundred thousand pounds of that will be met by grants, which is a four hundred thousand uh, pound shortfall which needs to be raised through private investment and they, they've decided to call this the angels investors they're looking for 20 people to invest twenty thousand pounds each into the club a short-term five-year loan with an interest rate return better than any high street bank is currently offering uh, apart from the new pitch there's also going to be new dugouts new goals to provide for 11 aside and five aside replacing the floodlights using energy efficient pollution, uh, reducing lighting, and most crucially, a new income stream for the club, which will go towards a sustainable future. Uh, long statement on the website there, but they, uh, they've they put a copy of the prospectus up there. So if you've got 20 grand lying about, uh, don't forget to do that. And there is going to be, if you're an owner of Tumbridge Angels, there's going to be an informal meeting to discuss the project on Thursday, uh, the 24th of February at 7.30pm. Um, they will, the, the owners will be able to book through an online portal and... Uh, we we'll have to take their membership card with them 
Uh, if you're not an owner and you would like to go there, there is an email address, ian.clear at tumbridgeangels.co.uk. Uh, and if you also are interested, you can co- get in touch with Director Phil Broad, who's leading the project on behalf of the club. Uh, you can contact him, phil.broad at tumbridgeangels.co.uk. And there is a phone number there as well if you're interested. Go and have a look at the Tumbridge Angels website. And it's a massive, massive investment for the club. And you can see that it's going to revolutionise everything they're doing at Longmead, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, um, I knew how expensive it was to have that. But again, you know, 700,000, you're not even getting half within your, um, from the grants or from the Football Foundation, whatever it is. Clearly, the money spinning around the game at the higher echelons could be a way of getting some all that money to a lot of clubs to do it. Because a lot of clubs may not be as savvy as Tunbridge Angels to be able to do it. Look at those numbers and think, well, we're not going to be able to do it. I don't know, again, I don't know if you have to replace it after a 10-year cycle. So they may have to do it again as well. So the numbers are going to be right. But I think Tunbridge Angels, particularly off the field, they seem to have upped their game a lot recently with the infrastructure they've got. Um, I think they will do it. I'm sure a lot of investors will look to do it. And fingers crossed they can do it because, it'll, again, the benefits for the club will be phenomenal. But interesting that... The cost in, well, I always thought it was half a million, John, but a bit like everything, is the cost of 3G or 4G going up? Well, uh, it is a big outlay, but you, you have to hope that the money will come back in through being able to hire out the pitch and yeah. it being able to be used 24-7. Because, you know, I'm sure if you're a Time of Angels fan and you're looking out and seeing this weather, you know what, what damage this could be doing to your pitch. But you also know that if it was a 3G pitch, it wouldn't make any difference. Your game should realistically be on no matter what. And, and we know the troubles they've had at Longmead. So I hope it. I hope they can get it all I'm sorted. Sure, I'm sure, uh, you know, they must be pretty confident they can get investors to do this. And um, yeah, I hope it works out for them. But those sort of figures, John, I'm sure a lot of clubs would think about it. But, you know, long, you know, you need to, you need to, you know, the, the 700,000, you probably need to start turning around and, money around pretty quick with your business model isn't it it depends where you are the ground somebody's just got a good location where they are with other things around them so they should be okay but I'm sure that sort of cost must um you know put a lot of clubs off yes it must do in the uh, national league south on saturday uh, mixed bag of results mason united keep on going a 3-2 win for them against uh, eastbourne borough uh Epsom united though beaten 2-1 by slough town welling united 1-0 winners over Chippenham, uh, but Welling then followed that up with a 3-1 defeat to at home to Dulwich Hamlet on Tuesday, a game that only just survived uh, a couple of pitch inspections. But the worrying thing for, for Welling, and I suppose to a certain extent for Tunbridge Angels, is that both uh, Braintree and Billericay won on Saturday. So at the foot of that table now, we've got Billericay on 19 points, Braintree on 22, Welling on 25, and Tunbridge Angels on 25. So you're not necessarily that worried at the moment, but I guess they both, both of those clubs will have a target in mind that they want to get to, and they're going to want to get to that quite soon, aren't they? And obviously, Welling, Welling's big issue is is their goal difference as well will count against them. It's minus thirty three their goal difference, and and Billericay's is minus twenty five. And you're looking, I, I was going to say something like forty points is a target, but Dulwich are sixth, and they've only just got forty points. So. It, it's impossible to know how this league's going to play out, but you don't want to be looking over your shoulder with, with four or five games left, do you? No, because when I'm Peter Taylor said that, they, he said he needed six more wins when I saw them. So they won one of them. So they need five more wins out of their game. So, yes, um, it's a bit concerning. Braintree and 
well, Villaricky have changed their managers and maybe it's finally a bit like we saw with Phoenix that it's trying to work, it's working off a little bit now. So some really, um, yeah, it, it, it will be a little bit concerning. Um, Tumbridge have had a great run in the trophy and now they've got a, they won at Dorking. Um, they need to show that form just to move up the table, just to stop those little bit of concerns. Because if you lose two or three on the spin, you know, you will be looking over your shoulder, which is no good at all. No, this weekend, uh, full programme of fixtures in that division. Dartford at home to Bath City. Dartford should have been uh, at Hungerford on Tuesday night, but that one was called off uh, as well. Haven't at Waterlooville against Ebbsfleet. Hampton and Richmond against Tunbridge Angels. Slough Town against Welling. And a big game at the Gallagher Maidstone against Oxford City. And you're going to be at Dartford against Bath, Dartford, are you? Bath, yeah. I think I saw that game last season. So, yeah, disappointed Dartford when they lost to um, Needham Market. But Dartford home form's good. Only unbeaten side in the um, division at home, but six draws, six defeats. Bath, uh, you know, I'm led to believe played pretty well against Maidstone, but um, just really couldn't, you know, nice football, but no real cutting edge. So uh, interesting game there, but it's tight at the top of the table. And a big game for Ebsley because haven't are on an absolute um, slide. And, you know, there's no love lost between um, Paul Doswell and Dennis Katrieb, is there? So that should be an interesting game, but a game I think Ebsley have got to be winning as well. Yes, and uh, Bath City, they're just one of those clubs. One year they're brilliant, the next year they're not. And I think they're in one of their knots at the moment. But as you say, played some good football at Maidstone. And and I think they've still got the sort of ethos that had them doing quite well last season when it was all curtailed. Uh, So it it does a a tough one for Dartford. And, you know, I said before that I thought that game that they had at Sudbury was a bit of a turning point for their season. And they'll be hoping that that defeat not too far from Sudbury up at Needham Market, won't have this, the, the same effect, I suppose. It's important that they bounce back and get a result uh, this weekend, really, yeah, isn't it? But yeah, but they're, they're, form, they're on four wins in the, on the spin, so um, home form has been good as well. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. They see they brought Junior Tiento, who was on loan at Dover earlier in the season. So very quick fullback. Um, his decision-making was strange at times, but I think uh, it'll be interesting there. It'll be a good... They like to get... Um, Bit of width on the flanks, and he'll be a good signing for Dartford, I think. Very yeah, and just look, just yeah. looking ahead to 26 next Saturday, and uh, yeah. it's Dartford's week not to play. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah. and then their next game after that is at home to Dorking. So, yeah. uh, it's gonna, it, it, it's a big game for for Dartford. Well, yeah, I think it'd be interesting because Steve King likes playing. I'm sure, I'm sure I know where he'll be on the Saturday, the 26th of February. Playing friendly. Say, probably no, well, friendly, surely. Could be playing a friendly, or he could be at Dorking v Maidstone, which is. Big. Yeah, big, big. We'll and that. that'll be a big test for Dorking because obviously they lost to Angels and now they need to uh, to, to keep the, the pack at bay, yeah. so to speak. Well, that's pretty yeah, much think, it, isn't it? Yeah, that's it, yeah. Done. We've done all the leagues, haven't we? We haven't missed anything out? No, sort of a, small, a smaller show than last week, but um, still good full was. of goodness, John. I'd like to say, exactly, yeah. uh, Peter Gearing came and see me uh, on Saturday as well and, and said he really enjoyed the pod and I, and I was just going off to interview and... Um, Nicky Southall, as it was in the end, after the game. But um, we had a quick chat. And next time you come down, Pete, let me know and we can uh, have a beer after the game. But thanks very much for coming to find me. It was nice to meet you. And as I said to him uh, when he said he, he was looking to meet me at a game at some point in the future, you can come stay at my house for a very reasonable rate uh, at any time during the uh, d- during the year. We're here uh, most of the time. Although I'm supposed to be going away this weekend, but uh, Dudley and Eunice, or whatever they're called, are, are raising a few question marks in my head at the moment about if I really want to be making a long trip in this weather. I, I just don't we know. Got north. Yeah. Well, so apparently, up there, 
Well, apparently they're expecting to get worse from this one, from Dudley. And then we're going to get it worse from the other one. Um, but there is a chance of snow over the weekend uh, up north, which will be quite good fun, to be honest. But uh, we shall see how it goes. Uh, just about to finish watching The Teacher that was on Channel 5 the other week. You, you oh, see that? No, because we've been going to bed at nine. What, what I've been watching, Reacher on Amazon. CBBS. Which it's like the film. Finished watching that. Eight episodes, very good. Really enjoyed that. Good. Um, we need to find something else. Um, but there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of stuff on, but nothing takes my fancy. It seems a lot with Sheridan Smith. She seems to be the uh, go-to girl in February. The, the the teacher that she was in was really really good actually. So you can find that on. I think it's on my Channel five. five. Um, yeah. yeah, that was that's really good. We've just got one episode to watch. We just watched the third one a minute ago. Uh, we watched a really cheesy film on Valentine's Day. It was new. Uh, it was only released on the 12th or 11th of February um, and it was on Amazon Prime and it's called I Want You Back. Uh, it was pretty obvious what was going to happen from about two minutes in, but they always chucked in the little twists and turns. Um, but we quite, quite enjoyed it. It was quite a laid back thing to to, to watch on uh, on Monday. So, yeah, we're just uh, having a bit of a chill, really. Got uh, There's a new craft beer place has opened up in town, so I've been frequenting that as well as my usual one. So that's been, uh, that's been quite nice. And, yeah, just... Bit of a, but we've got the weekend off is the most important thing, whether we're here or, or go away somewhere, just a weekend of not having to get up at silly o'clock in the morning. So I'm quite looking forward to that, to be honest. But you will be checking the scores for the Kent non-league and we will go over them next week, John, of course. Oh, that's a beautiful segue. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this week's show. You can find us on social media uh, at Kent NL Podcast. You can find us on Facebook as well. If you search for Kent non-league podcast. Uh, I'm at John Phipps 81 Matt is at Matthew underscore Gerard. Um, I'm just going to check those scores. We were talking about the games uh, in the scaffold tonight. Uh, into the second half in those, in all three of those games is currently Everton Belvedere nil, Rustle nil in the Premier Division. Uh, Lidtown are two 0 up on Greenways. Bradley Baker has got both of those goals, Matt. Um, Machine, and a bit yeah. of a, a surprise result in the first division. Rochester United currently three 0 up on leader Sutton Athletic, so that could be uh, a, a big game in Stansfeld without having played and obviously having had their FA Vars disappointment could actually end up having a good week uh, in terms of their league campaign. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks to uh, Steve O'Boyle and to Connor Coyne for their time in joining us this week. And, of course, thanks to Matt Gerrard. As always, stay safe out there, everyone. The weather's not looking the best, so batten down those hatches. Keep dry, keep safe, and we'll speak to you all next week on the Kent Only podcast. Yes, I'm off to batten down the hatches. That should be a comedy, John. If we ever write a comedy, we could call that batten down the hatches. What, what what do you do when you batten down the hatches? I mean, it, it's obviously an old an old phrase. It's nothing to do with Ernie Batten, is it? Could be Ernie Batten down the hatches. There must be a couple of hatches as well. We'll have to look at that up there. Yeah. I would if, and if there's if there is, then Sheffield United have got a signing. Exactly. Good night. <laughs>